Guests, welcome to Karen the Load. It's Mark and Annette uh, today with you with uh, Tamara Zoner. Tamara is in Michigan, and uh, we were just talking before we began a beautiful, beautiful area of Michigan where there's lots of little lakes. And so, you know, we're, we're, think, we're feeling quite jealous right now because we live in the desert and there's not a lot of water here, but we're so grateful to have you with us today. And I have to uh, read Tamara's bio to give you an appreciation. Uh, but you're going to say something first. Well, I was going to say, you know, it is desert, but this morning it was a beautiful morning and it was out on the back on our back deck and I'm listening to the birds chirping and I'm looking at the tulips that are in bloom. And then I look up and the snow capped mountains and the hot air balloon. It was pretty, it was pretty inviting. And so we have trade-offs, desert lakes, mountains. You know. That's true. That That's true. We, we gave Annette a little bit of a break today. Today's her birthday. And oh, so birthday. she uh, is uh, celebrating a birthday today. <laughs> Thank you. It uh, He's been spoiling me, and I, I got to spend some time out there this morning. And we made breakfast, and then I went for a great walk. And and here we are now, and I get to do one of my favorite things, and that's doing a podcast. So, Well, not, only, not only a podcast, Annette, but a podcast about something that we feel very passionate about. And that's happiness. And and that was one of the reasons why we asked Tamara to come on to our show. And before before I read into her bio a little bit, one of the things that we do before we invite any guest on our program is to we we, we kind of vet them out a little bit. We we uh, we look at their uh, we we look at their site uh, we we look at their books uh, anything that they might have there that, social uh, might, media yeah anything that might help us to understand who you are a little bit and I've got to tell you Tamara I was absolutely thrilled when we talked about uh, this podcast today and when Anna asked me if I would lead the discussion I I was very much happy to do so because of the topic itself and it's such a timely topic but before we get into that topic of happiness. Let me just read your bio. Tamara is a speaker and coach on a mission to create greater happiness in the world by teaching individuals and groups the actions and the habits of happiness. A show tell happily single mom to three awesome kids and a karaoke enthusiast. We're going to go back to that one in a minute. <laughs> Tamara demonstrates the daily how to create a life you love. And, and then I, I just have to add something else here as well. Uh, Tamara, and we'll, we'll talk about this and we'll add some links at the end of our podcast there as, as to how you can access some of the services that Tamara offers, but she brings energy and enthusiasm to the classes that she does. And she has a very positive presence. And, and you'll be able to understand that in a moment as we start talking. She can speak for hours on the habits of and actions of happiness and to create happiness uh, you know, through our lives with a, with a blend of spirituality, self-love, and practicality, Tamara makes it feel possible for people to live more authentically, being true to themselves without trying to fake it and shifting their relationships with themselves and others in a loving and respectful way. And I'll add one more thing. And, and this was something that uh, I, I, I loved as I read that you're also an ordained minister. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so welcome. We're so glad to have you here today. <laughs> thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. And thank you for doing this on your birthday, Annette. That's very exciting. I love birthdays. So happy birthday. You know, I, I love them too. And, and like I said, when I kind of popped in there in the middle of your bio, 
this is really one of my favorite things that we do. And I never thought in my wildest dreams, this was never on my bucket list ever. <laughs> and, and you know, as a spiritual woman that you get impressions, right? And, mm-hmm. and we had, I had this impression. It's probably been about a year that you need a podcast. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? And started researching and, mm-hmm. and and I had I've come to know that when I have those impressions I need to act. Even though I might say what I immediately started looking into okay so how do we do this then? Mm-hmm. And and what I have found is it really is a joy and a pleasure and it brings so much happiness and it's so fun to get to meet people like you and others all over the world that through this this vehicle of this podcast. And so, again, thank you. Before, before we get into some questions here, I, I just want to say something, you know, and Annette alluded to this and the fact that we only invite positive people, people that make a difference onto our podcast. And and I, I, I look at uh, some of the things that you do, and it's very obvious just by your presence that you do offer happiness and and, and hope to people that uh, may be struggling. And, you know, it's such an interesting time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If we were to be talking maybe a year and a half ago versus today, our conversation might be completely different. Mm-hmm. It might be something that we look at as, as uh, wow, during those last 13 months, 14 months that we've been living life, our lives have changed. And, and so I would ask you, Tamara, what has really changed when it comes to us during the last 13 months? Mm, well, you know what I think, I, I tend to focus on what's happening for me, what's the positive outcome of any experience. And even through all the challenges in these last 14 months, there's so much grace and beauty and so many things to be grateful for. People are coming back to what's really important. They're coming back to dinner at the table with their family. They're coming back to, they're sick of screens, which is a great thing. (laughs) Yes. So they're putting those away and they're looking really forward to the rare in-person events or activities where they can see someone's face in person and really deeply connect and feel their energy. And I think everyone is appreciating their lives so much more than we were a year and a half ago. I I think that's a great answer. And, you know, if if you look at, uh, if you were to put it on a bell curve as to where we've been when it comes to how we have identified and how we've been able to communicate at first, it was a real downer because we were all inside. We couldn't go out anywhere. And then all of a sudden, Zoom came around. And Zoom mm-hmm. worked for a few months. But all of a sudden, we started seeing that bell curve go back down again to the point where mm-hmm. we were really, really frustrated because we couldn't go out and see people. How has that affected our ability to communicate during those last 14 months? You know, it really depends on the person and I have heard a lot of Zoom burnout stories. So people are actually making real phone calls again. And when the weather is right, depending on where you live, meeting outside. I remember in the early days 
of COVID, I, I don't live with my boyfriend. And so we were having driveway dates <laughs> because we didn't feel safe to actually come together at that point it was at the high stages of early COVID in Michigan. And so we would sit in the driveway six feet apart and, you know, spend a couple of hours just talking. Whereas a few weeks prior, we might've laid on the couch and watched a couple of movies instead of actually mm-hmm. having those deep conversations. Now, because it's me, I only let that happen once in a while, but because I really like quality conversations. Uh, but more and more people are are getting that burnout from the screen and and trying their best to interact in a more personal way. And I, I love that. And for those who can't, you know, I come from senior living. So there was a long quarantine period in senior living. And they really appreciate now moving back toward more social activities in the senior communities. And that's, it's so beautiful because people who didn't participate are now participating. I think we took those things for granted before. Mm -hmm, Um, Definitely. Being able to connect and when we could get together. And so like you, I look at now an appreciation of when we can gather and and we we all learn to do things differently in ways and those park or driveway visits <laughs> really um, became treasure time. Yes, yes. And a lot of people, I think, during the same time, commented that they weren't as happy. And and I think we understand why. It's because the human connection, the human touch, is so important. And we and we we lost that for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 critical. And I think that when we get through this experience, whatever you want to call it, I, I really hope that most of us look at it as a time that we had an ability to change and to grow and to connect and and that we take those connections to an even greater degree than maybe we did before. Mm, I hope so too. I love the way you said the physical touch because it is it is the thing that was making people feel dehydrated in a way. We need that touch. We need uh, that social connection. So when I, I run a meetup group as well locally, and we meet outside as much as we can. So when the weather was really bad, we didn't meet or we met in my parents happened to own a seasonal greenhouse. So I would meet with my group in the greenhouse because we could be covered, could have a heater on, but we could also have doors and windows open so that there was airflow. And I would say, come and meet up with us. We will be physically distancing, but socially connecting. And so that's what we did most of the winter. There were only a couple of months where we couldn't meet because it was either just too cold or the greenhouse started planting and we got kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) That that socially connecting is Mm -hmm. something that we, we, we were starving. Yes. I yeah. think we were starving and we were, you know, that's what made so many people. I think it brought on the the unhappiness. It brought on the depression, the anxiety, and it made everything, it, it compounded everything. It just, everything became yeah. so much worse. That uh, connection brings happiness. And, 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 and Tamara, you, you said the same thing as well. You probably live the furthest of anybody in the continental United States from, from Disneyland in Florida or Disney or Disneyland <laughs> in, in California and Disney world in Florida. Right. 
Uh, but I'm assuming you've probably been to Disneyland before. You know, when I was like four years old. Okay. It's mm-hmm. been a while. Oh, okay. Well, there's a reason why I bring that up. Okay. <laughs> uh, Disneyland has a ride called Splash Mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's about Br'er Rabbit. And if you if if you want to uh, jump on at some point today or tomorrow or something and uh, do a uh, Google search on on uh, that, uh, it's it's it'll it'll take you actually through the ride itself. But it's one of my favorite rides at Disneyland because what it does it, it talks about different stories about taking chances. It talks about uh, following a dream and then having the sense uh, to find your way back home when things get uh, difficult. But as you wait for the ride, there's a a little cavern that you go through, and there's lots of little signs. And one of the little signs that I absolutely love in that cavern, it's uh, by Br'er Rabbit. It says, everybody's got a laughing place. Trouble is, most folks won't take the time to look for it. And so a lot of wisdom just in that little quote right there that everybody has a laughing place, but most folks won't take the time to look for it. Why do you think that's the case, Tamara? Oh, Mark, people tend to be really lazy when it comes to their happiness. And that that makes me feel so sad. They don't want to put forth the effort. They want it to just be easy and come so naturally. I have a, a, a quote on one of my social medias that says, uh, misery is easy. It's happiness that takes work. Because it takes effort and some discipline and a willingness to commit to find your laughing place, to find your happiness, to support not only your emotional body, but your physical one as well, so that you are happy holistically in your brain, in your body, in your heart. There's more than just laughing a little bit once in a while to a funny joke or a movie on TV, it really does take action and effort to stay happy. Any of us can feel happy here and there, but to become a consistently happy person takes a commitment. But you said, uh, you know, go on this adventure and then find your way home, which is, it hit my heart because that's what I did. I went on adventures. I was away from home, Little Commerce Township, for 20 years and went through some amazingly wonderful adventures and then a lot of hardships along with them and found my way back home to take a new adventure and create this life that I now love and would consider myself one of the happiest people I know. When you talk about adventures and you talked about a hard, you know, you had a hard time there. Mm I think people feel like if they're going through hard things, they can't have joy. They Mm -hmm. can't be ever find this happiness again. Is it possible? Do you feel like to be going through hard things, but yet still find that happiness? I think it's actually vital (laughs) to do so. I think that, And I think, you know, at the beginning of COVID, we started seeing on social media all these memes that were hilarious little things about our current experience because we as human beings need that laughter. We need that light to help us through the hardships. And I find that finding those moments of happiness or bliss or even 
peace and contentedness are so important, especially in times of hardship, because it's what keeps us going. And if we can recall like how good something was or how good it was for us in the past, it can help us realize that we can get there again. And life is that, that life is this expansion and contraction cycle that we see in nature. Winter turns to spring, summer, fall, and then it contracts again. We as human beings do that. And we may experience that cycle in the heartbeat of a few seconds or days or weeks or a year. But when we can look at those, that cycle as a natural part of our human existence, it makes it also easier to get through it. So if I'm feeling really contracted, sad, depressed, lonely, or ill, or all of it at once, but I can think back to a time when I was happy, or I know that I won't stay ill forever, something will come up for me, a friend will call, the sun will shine, there will be something that brightens my day, then I'll start to expand again and open back up and feel happiness again. And just knowing that that's that cycle can help you get through the really dark, closed up times. And life is a practice and happiness is a practice and living purposefully and meaningfully is an everyday practice and commitment. That, that is so true. I like that. You know, you, when, when I was reading your biography, I, the first time I read it, there was one word that uh, really that really came out to me. And and how many times have we heard someone say that I'm a single mom of three? You prefaced that with "I'm a happily <laughs> single mom of three. I've never heard that before, and 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 I I I was so happy. <laughs> Speaking of happiness, I was so happy when I when I read that first because typically you don't. Most people don't have a preface. Most people would maybe look at that and say, wow, she's gone through a tough time in her life. Well, you know, we all have gone through difficult mm -hmm. times in our lives. You know, we were just talking recently. Uh, it was 10 years ago that we lost our 21-year-old son due to the effects of a brain tumor. And it, it wasn't long after we lost our son that uh, someone came up to Annette and said, you're living a lie. Actually, why don't you tell the story? I, I was so caught off guard and I had been out on a walk and because I found that for me to, to be in that happy place, mm -hmm. have that light, it takes me getting outside. It takes me being in the sunshine. It takes doing things that are good for me that helps lighten, lighten my soul. And, and, um, and this woman stopped me that knew of our, our situation. And, and we're just chatting for a minute. And then she said, you're living this lie. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, you can't smile. And I, I see you smile. I see you. I hear you laugh. And, and so you're living this lie. And I said, no. I said, you know what? I'm choosing to be happy. I'm choosing to find joy in my life. And I said, there's still hard times. I said, you don't see me at home when I might be crying and I, you know, I really miss him. And I said, I'm not living this lie. It's just, I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing mm -hmm. to find this. And, and I think it's a, it's a good analogy and it's a good thing to teach all of us that it's a choice. Mm -hmm. 
but that we also honor the grief. We honor the hard times. It's not that I wasn't feeling it. It's not that I didn't um, feel sad and miss him or, you know, all the other, all the other stages of grief and every Mm -hmm. feeling and thing that you have and the anger and everything that goes with it. But I chose. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. So I, I guess, you know, with, with that, uh, one of the things that you do is you help people create a life that they can love. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a pretty big task, if you ask me. <laughs> but how, do you, how do you do that? And what is, where does one start? Well, you know, part of it is what Annette was just talking about. And accepting that there is grief, that there will be times of anger, that we are having a human existence, which means there's a full range of emotions. And so the first key is to is to come to some greater awareness. First of all, your own self-awareness. So how are you treating yourself? Because the way that you speak to yourself, the way that you treat yourself is, in my opinion, the number one aspect of your happiness. I could have the whole world being so kind and loving toward me, showering me with gifts and praise and love and respect. But if I don't feel like I deserve it, I'm never going to receive it in a way that that feeds my soul or benefits me. I won't even believe it. So we have to start noticing our relationship with ourselves. How are we speaking to ourselves? Are we, are we supporting ourselves in our thoughts and our language? Are we thanking people and receiving a compliment or a comment that's supportive when they give it to us? Or are we rejecting it? Are we beating ourselves up in our minds, calling ourselves names? Or are we forgiving and self-compassionate? That's where we start. And once we can start to be more compassionate with ourselves and stop mind reading others, it's a big component too. Don't try to read someone else's mind and assume you know what they're thinking. I remember when I first started this journey into deep personal development work, uh, my marriage was at a very dark place. And I, when I first read this concept of not reading your partner's mind, I didn't even understand it. But as I delved deeper into it, it was like, oh, so if he gets home and slams the door, Previously, I might have assumed that he was already mad at me Mm. instead of just thinking, wow, he might have had a bad day or maybe the wind caught the door, (laughs) like (laughs) noticing all the different things that could have caused that door to slam instead of making an assumption and then already feeling bad about what's going to happen next. You stop and go, oh, it could have been that could have been that could have been that. And eventually you stop thinking it could have been anything and you just notice that the door slammed. So what? Tamara, we, we could spend an hour just on talking about what we've learned about communication during the last I year or so. Yeah. You know, you you talk about uh, you talk about being authentic, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I I swear every every conversation we've had with a guest, probably for the last number of months, has encompassed one important thing that you just mentioned, and that's self love. Mm-hmm. That's and, the and, key. And, and sometimes we're not authentic with ourselves. Sometimes we try to put ourselves out there as something that we're really not. We look at Facebook. We look at social media. Mm-hmm. Do you ever read about someone that uh, is having a really cruddy day? 
very not often you don't. <laughs> well, if you do, it's the person who's only making those posts, right? They're <laughs> persistently negative. <laughs> exactly. But when we talk about the self-love and, and how critical it is, I wonder why we all have such a hard time with it. I mean, that's a huge question, isn't it? And I, it, it's, we talk about, you know, be kind to others and, and love others like you love yourself. Well, that could be really bad because if we're, if we're honest with how we, what we think of ourselves, sometimes it's like you mentioned, we don't think the best about things mm-hmm. about ourselves. And so we're not going to go treat our neighbor that way. We're not going to talk to him the way we talk, have right. that self-talk. Right. But I wonder why. I wonder why we are so negative and hard on ourselves. Well, we can look at it from two different perspectives. First is how we're brought up. We do hear those words. We hear them in church. We hear them on TV. We hear them, you know, put others before you. Be selfless, not selfish. And always, you know, be of service. What we don't hear is that you cannot be of service if you're not servicing yourself. So if your cup is empty, there's nothing to pour out to others. So I like to say, as an example, when your cup is full and overflowing, we give from the overflow. That's what you give. You don't empty your cup in service of others. You give from your overflow because then there's always enough. There's, it's always abundant. The other perspective is a spiritual one, right? So you can look at it as we come into this human experience to remember. <laughs> and we're given that challenge of coming back into the light and knowing we're worthy of universal love, God, whatever you call it. John and I like to say yada yada on our podcast because there are so many different names now for whatever that higher power is or the higher power of your understanding. Maybe we're here simply to remember that we're worthy of that love and that's our goal. And so challenges are put in front of us to help us remember that or to help us at least embrace this mantra that I like to use, which is everything happens for me, not to me. So no matter what awful thing is happening, I'm asking myself that question to the slow driver in the traffic circle, to the really mean ex-husband, to uh, even my mom, who wasn't that nice when I was a kid. She had her own struggles. What is it for? How will it serve me? What will I learn from this? I think that's the most beautiful answer I've heard, that we're here to remember that we have that worth. Mm-hmm. And each of us do. And I and I think exactly like you just said, you know, we've forgotten. And whether it is just, there's a myriad of things that could cause us to have forgotten who we are. Mm-hmm. But as we remember who we divinely are, then that helps us in this adventure of life to find our happy place too. Yes. And then to spread that happiness, because when we are showing up authentically, remembering that we are worthy of love and all of the resources that are available to us in this universe, then we also give others permission just by way of being, just by showing up and 
embracing who you are, loving who you are. And that doesn't mean that we won't still forget once in a while. (laughs) You know, as we, uh, as we, Gay Hendricks in his book, The, The Big Leap talks about, we hit that upper limit. And so we have to remember again, oh, wait, I'm, I'm worthy of even more. Okay. <laughs> and I can embrace that and I can accept it. And that takes another level of commitment, even more practice and a, really a devotion to yourself, a devotion to yourself, because I firmly believe that we are here on this earth to fully live life and okay, living so I- Yes. So I, I want to go back on that in a, sure. in a second here. I I think that is so important, you know, the <laughs> devotion part. But as Annette was was uh, saying that she thought that that was the best answer she's ever heard, I was thinking the very same thing. And the and the reason why is because you know when when you were saying that, it reminded me, you know, in Christian scripture, it talks about uh, man is that he might have joy, mm-hmm. and and it's one of the most it's 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 one of the most profound. Uh, thoughts that we can have is is that uh, man is that he might have joy. So you mean we're not here to suffer? <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh. I mean, I mean, I'm just. <laughs> but I think what it, what it means is that it doesn't matter if you're a divorced mother of three. It doesn't matter if you just lost a 21 year old son to a mm-hmm. brain tumor. What it means is when we have those experiences, how are we able to be resilient? How are we be yeah. a- able to move forward and not stay at the same level or even move down backwards? Absolutely. We grow through yeah. it. So it's not something we're going through. It's something we're growing through. Yeah, that, that's great. It, we, we do grow from it. And, and I think mm-hmm. we, I hope that we've all grown from this last 14 months as well. If we haven't, we've missed out on a great, great mm-hmm. teaching and learning opportunity. So what I've found is that there are times, you know, when we're going along and we hit that, I've hit that peak. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I may, it might've been this hard hit to the ceiling and I am boom, I am back down, but I don't stay down as long. Right. And it's easier to remember mm-hmm. who I am. It's easier to remember how I felt and that I can feel it again and that I am worthy of that love and that light. And so it's it's practice, just like you said, and yeah. it's continuing to practice this life and continuing to have that devotion mm-hmm. and to take the time for for ourselves. And it's hard when we have younger children. It's hard sure. harder. It's hard anytime. But when your time is so divided and needed mm-hmm. in, in those ways, it's you really have to seek out those little opportunities to find that devotion. Absolutely. And I like to tell this to parents, when your children are young, that's when it's even more important to show. That's why I say I'm a show and not tell mom. Mm-hmm. I started devoting myself to myself when my children were very young. Uh, and I remember I would tell them, you know, my, my youngest was three years old and I would say, you can join me or watch when I'm doing my yoga, but you can't interrupt. So sometimes he'd climb on my back and (laughs) 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 really help me strengthen my core and in more ways than one. And, uh, and still today now he's 11 years old. Like they all know 
they get the mom they want when she takes care of herself. And I want to demonstrate to my children what self-love and care looks like because self-love isn't just a feeling, it's action, right? It's how I take care of myself. It's what I put into my body, my mind, my heart, my soul. And so I know that they're not always doing the things that I wish that they would, but I've planted the seeds and they will grow and nourish. So when my kids, I have two daughters as well, when they're ready, when they're willing, when they're not in that sort of, I'm not going to do what mom says because I'm 15 years old, (laughs) then I know that they, I know that they have it. I've handed them this fully set up toolkit and they've got it when they're ready to reach for it. But I can't make them. You can't make them pull out that tool. But nope. you have shown them how. Exactly. And because you've shown them how, it won't be so hard for them when they're ready. Right. Because they and, had the example of yes. it was okay. And look what happened when mom did do this. Right. She was the better mom. Like they got a whole new mom. I was a very, I was in a very emotionally abusive marriage and I was very angry. And when you're a victim, you can't take it out on your abuser. So you take Mm -hmm. it out on the least powerful people. So my anger would come out on my children. And yet I was seeking a better way because I, I didn't at that time think that divorce was an option. My parents had been married for 55 years. I didn't want to go that route. And I was remembering that I was worthy of more than I was getting. And and that included from myself. So it had to start there. And then I slowly took the steps to demonstrate to myself that I was worthy of my own love and the love of others, and then show that to my children. And then finally was strong enough and loved myself enough to leave the marriage and start fresh. And that's why I'm a happily single mom of three, because <laughs> I wasn't a happily married mom. I'm a very happily single mom of three kids. And I get to show them that Life can be anything that you choose to make it. Anything. That is perfect. That that is absolutely perfect. And it, you know, as you're as you're talking, I think we can all relate to the difficulties that we have in life. There's no mm-hmm. question. Sure. But the crux and 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 the real critical component is what we do with it once we once we're there. Mm-hmm. And I, I but I, so I want to kind of circle back a little bit, like back about what we were talking about uh, daily devotions. You talked about yoga. Mm-hmm. If you were to compartmentalize your day, what would be the uh, the devotion part of your day? Mm-hmm. First thing. So first thing, I start my day. Sometimes I literally roll out of bed and onto the yoga mat. I will leave it out on the floor in my bedroom. And that is my first and foremost devotion. So yoga, which is also a moving meditation. So, But then I follow it up with meditation. So in stillness and this routine or ritual has changed here and there over the years. And I modify it as necessary for time or whatnot, but that's my devotion. I know for sure that if I start every day for me and taking care of me, then I'm going to have a better day. I'm going to feel better in my body. I'm going to start my day with my pause button fully intact (laughs) so that I can respond instead of react to the various situations that come up in life, whether it's a grumpy kid or, you know, the car battery light turning on, you know, just all the little things that can make us start to go, oh, we're stubbing my toe and all the little things they can either 
help you practice that pause button and breath. And that's a devotion to yourself as well. Just taking a breath and going, oh, this is, this is life. Cool. Next. (laughs) (laughs) So on top of that, you know, obviously things, people, situations, experiences, uh, all influence our lives. Who would you say are your biggest influencers in life? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. So my grandmother was my favorite human being. She is still one of the biggest influences of my life, though she's been passed on now for eight years. She passed away at 101 years old. Mm-hmm. She And I believe she lived that long because she was one of the happiest people that I, that I knew. And she had this light and this sparkle in her eyes. And no matter what was going on around you, you could hear her laugh. And I grew up next door to her. So I grew up up the hill from my grandparents and she was um, an artist and had her own studio on the property. And so I just grew up with this beautiful force of light in the world next to me. So biggest influence. And then I, I say that my greatest teachers, in fact, and greatest influences are my mother and my ex-husband. Not dissimilar in some aspects uh, in the way that when my mom is much better now, she's gotten medication that she needed to manage her own mood disorder and, uh, you know, is always willing to talk things out. And my ex-husband remains today one of my greatest teachers, not necessarily because he's really kind and nice, but because he's the opposite. And it allows me, and we are parents of three children, so we have to sometimes interact. And his responses, which are not healthy, help me keep growing. So each time I, we only... Um, communicate through a court supervised texting service because of how he is. And every time I'll still, I'll notice, not every time I'll notice, but I'll feel something come up in me, but I feel it now and I'm around. I'm like, Oh, darn it. That's that button he installed. Okay. (laughs) Turn it off, go away. I don't respond sometimes for at least 24 hours. I, I never respond until I feel calm and peaceful and the words are a response and truly not a reaction. And then my kids are my greatest teachers. So you've learned how to practice. Oh, I learned how to practice through great examples and stories and being able to see, you know, this positive influence of light. Mm -hmm. And you've learned how to practice through a little more challenging experiences. Absolutely. And my dad, of course, is another great one. He, his motto is every day is an adventure, you know, and he just, that was his mom. That was my, my greatest inspiration in life. And he still today, you know, mid seventies, still running around the farm, doing all his things, pulling the tractor out. You probably heard the lawnmower earlier because we live on the same property and just, just such a spark of, of life and light. And, and that's the key just to to embrace that this is an adventure that we chose (laughs) on a small level. We chose this. And so what do you want to experience? You can ask yourself that every day. What do I want to experience today? I want love, joy, passion, fulfillment. Other people might choose suffering. Like who who doesn't want that, but yet we don't (laughs) give ourselves a break to do that. But Mm -hmm. I've got to ask you professionally, uh, 
you you see a lot of people that are struggling and we don't have time to go into what everybody's dealing with what are the biggest issues because and I, and I think we've dealt with that quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. what are what are people saying but you you have something that you use called the passion test mm-hmm. tell us about that <laughs> I love the passion test this is the tool that helped me transform my life so uh, like things do I came upon it with some synchronicity, I was at a networking event and met a woman who we exchanged business cards and hers said certified passion test facilitator. I had no idea what that meant. I'd never heard of it. And yet I had this whole body awareness come over me that my life was going to change. And, uh, I, I knew within a few months of talking to her before I'd even gone through the passion test that I was going to become a certified passion test facilitator. Mm. And, The passion test is a process that helps you to identify the five things that matter the most to you in your life right now. And anything you want to be, do, feel, or have in your life. And then you make a list of 10 or 12. And then through a very specific form of questioning based on your feeling, which one feels better, we narrow it down to your top five because our brains can only handle five to seven things at any given time. So we do five things that you can focus on. And then we teach you how to align your life with those things. So every day, I know what my passions are. And I have actually my my current list of passions. Passions change because life changes. So we do it about every six months. But here's my little passion card right here on my desk. Mm. So that I can refer to it throughout the day and say, oh, I have this opportunity in front of me. If I say yes to this, does it move me closer to my passions, to my ideal life? Or is it just a time suck? Is it going to move me further away from it? Then I can lovingly say no. No, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and no. Or yes, <laughs> full body yes, I'm in. And so I used this process for m- my own life. And that is what helped me realize that I was lying to myself, that the the marriage wasn't going to change because no matter how many different methods I tried, he wasn't coming with me. He wasn't trying. And, and so I had to choose in favor of me and a happy life and loving myself and living authentically. In fact, that was one of my first passions, living authentically from my heart Mm -hmm. and soul, Uh, because I didn't want to lie to myself anymore. I didn't want to fake it. It was it, faking it is exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, and living authentically for ourselves, it it changes our entire life. Yes, absolutely. So would it be fair to say that uh, finding happiness and becoming authentic might be a little bit uh, klutzy to begin with? Oh, but once sure. you <laughs> exercise more and more, that it becomes more natural to the point where here we are today. It's, it's not a clunky conversation. It's a conversation that uh, we recognize, hey, there was a time when things weren't so good. And you know what? There's going to be times like that in the future as well. Mm-hmm. But I have the emotional resilience now in order to make that uh, problem my servant. Yes. I mean, babies don't walk really great the first time they try. <laughs> Anything new, we're new at. You know, I kids, especially my teenage girls will be like, well, I'm not good at that. Well, because you haven't practiced. You're new at this. You're new at life. (laughs) It's just practice. Everybody starts new. And so if you're deciding for the first time, maybe that you want to more consciously create your life, it's going to take practice. And 
support. And that's what coaches are for. It's not easy to do it alone, especially in this kind of a society where there's this sort of pre-programmed path that we're supposed to follow. We're supposed to do what our parents think we should. And we're supposed to do what society tells us is okay for us. And we forget that we can actually do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean we're selfish. It actually means that we're selfless because we will give more of our gifts to the world when we're living that way. I wish I could give you a high five because I, I would do it in a heartbeat right there. I want to. That is so beautiful. You know, this, this is one of these uh, podcasts that we could probably go on for two hours talking about this. You know, we, we Annette and I chat about uh, our conversations are more back porch type conversations mm. than anything else. We're not trying to be clinical. We're not trying to do anything other than to help those who are listening to feel better about themselves, recognize mm. that there are tools there that are available to them. The, the whole idea of a coach has gone so far in the last number of years. Remember, it was kind of a joke many years ago oh, that yeah. I'm a life coach. Well, that, that, was kind of, that was kind of the joke, but now it's, you know, with, with the uh, teachings, with the, uh, with the practice, with the uh, experiences and the schooling that people have, it's such a necessary thing, whether you do it professionally or whether you have someone that you can just interact with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just some accountability, you know, a good friend that agrees that they want to live that way too. Then you yeah. keep each other accountable. So an accountability partner is a great mm-hmm. uh, thing to have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you one last question here, but before I do that, is there any epiphanies, anything that you have that you would like to share that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Do you think is important for this conversation today? Mm, I will say that I want for people to realize that they are their own greatest resource, that those little urgings in their heart are there for a reason. And In my opinion, in my perspective, we are meant to listen to those. We don't have desires because we can't have them and we're meant to suffer for them. We have desires, we have thoughts, we have imaginings because that's actually where we're supposed to go toward. That's what will actually fill our hearts and make us feel more love and fill up with light and then put that light out into the world so that other people go, what is she doing? I want to do that too. (laughs) And then they do more and more. It's a ripple effect. And so, but we start within, we start by listening to the urgings of our soul and opening up to the possibilities that they're meant for us. So happiness is not only possible, it's, it's, it can be a reality if we just allow it to be. Absolutely. And it is your divine right. It is your divine right to be happy. And again, that doesn't mean you'll be happy 24 hours a day. <laughs> right. You'll always return there. Because we understand that these experiences in life help us to become who we're supposed to be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the last question I have for you, and this is totally, totally unrelated to anything we've talked about. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> and, and it was part of your bio. I, I just talked to your mom and dad. They said they're going to take the kids for two weeks. <laughs> okay. Here's a check for $2,000. You're a world traveler. You love to travel, you said in your in your bio. Yeah. Where is Tamara Zoner going for the next two weeks? 
Oh, somewhere I've never gone before. Oh, uh, so. That's profound. I hope you know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, where would I go? I want to go to Thailand. That's what came up mm. for me. Uh, I lived in Asia for five years, but I never got to Thailand. And I want to go on a new adventure. And Yeah. Wow. I, that, that's wonderful. That, that's great. We're we're thinking about going to Greece again. We we love oh, Greece, but I, I, I love so beautiful. I love your answer though. Of uh, I I want to go somewhere where I've never been before, and I think that that really puts it in perspective of what we've talked about. Sometimes we do want to go someplace where we've never been before, and you know maybe maybe we finish the same way we began with that quote uh, from Splash Mountain. Everybody's got a laughing place. Trouble is, most folks won't take the time to look for it. We encourage our listeners to look for their happy place. We encourage them to find joy in their life. Men and women are that they might have joy in their life. And and that's what life is all about. It's not about uh, being miserable. It's not about uh, not being able to forgive yourself where forgiveness really isn't even necessary. And so we appreciate Tamara. We are really happy that we've had this conversation about happiness. Uh, Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us, as well as to help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become part of Carrying the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep caring.